title of my message this morning, I don't always share the title with you, but the title uh, this morning is The Return of a Mighty Church, a Mighty Church. And of course, you know, and it's become even more obvious in these days that we're living in now, that the church is not the building. Uh, we're not talking about the building. And not only that, but we, the church is the people, but it's not just the people when we gather. Uh, wherever we are, whatever we're doing, we are the church. Those of us that have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, we are the church. We are the body of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. And I want us to look this morning in the book of Matthew. So open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16. And we're going to begin reading in verse 13 this morning at this great passage of Scripture uh, concerning the church. Matter of fact, this is the first time that the word church uh, is used in the New Testament and it is used by Jesus because that is why he came. He came to establish the church. He came to empower the church. He came to pay the price for the church that the church might be his body when he left this earth to carry on his work and to fulfill his will and to establish his kingdom. So if you found that in your Bibles now, Matthew chapter 16, follow along with me as we begin reading in verse 13. <clears throat> when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, or son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades or hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. In my study, there's a book that has been sitting on my shelf for a, a number of years, about 15 years, I think, is when I first got this book, and it's called The Return of a Mighty Church. It's where I got the title uh, for today's message from this book. Uh, this book, it tells the story of a, of a church uh, that was struggling, and a, a pastor came in there, and, and uh, the church began praying and seeking God's will, and things began to turn around, and how they captured a, a renewed vision for what God wanted them to do, and began making sacrifices, reaching out to the community, and how they grow, and how things turned around uh, in that church's life. On the, the back jacket here, uh, it, it says uh, this about uh, this book, and it, it talks about the excitement and the, uh, uh, the reality of what was going on there. And it says, so begins this intriguing fictional account. Fictional account. It says on the front, the, under the return of a mighty church, it says this. It says, this is a modern fable. It's not a true story. Now, 
the people that wrote this book, they, they wanted it to be an encouragement uh, to the church about what could happen. But it kind of struck me as I was reading this and I was reading the story of it, all of a sudden I began to realize that this didn't really happen. For them to write this book, they had to make up some things and, about what could happen, but they couldn't find an actual church where this really happened. Now, that is sad, but oftentimes that's the idea that we have. We read in, in, in the scripture about the church, and, and we say, well, that's something that happened back then, but that can't happen now. I want you to know God's word is true. And the God that we were singing about, how great thou art, and the good, good Father, he is more than able to work in his church and to bring back and to revive and bring into existence a mighty church that can be used by him. That's not fiction. That is reality. You know, the day is coming when, when we are going to return to corporate worship. I don't know when that's going to be. I'd love for it to be Easter, but it may be on into uh, to May, or, or we, just, we just don't know when that's going to happen. But, but the church is not just when we gather, and God can begin doing a work and needs to be doing a work in our midst today that will form us into a mighty church. Because you see, when we come back, there's, a, there's several things that could happen. When we come back, with the church could be weakened to the point that, that we're never the same, and that, that we... Uh, uh, decrease in our ministry. They're, they're probably the sad reality is, is that whenever we're allowed to gather back together again, there will be some churches that won't ever meet again. They were already almost ready to shut the doors and this will be the final nail in the coffin. There are other churches that may uh, come back together and, and people will be cautious about gathering together even though the all clear is given and, and it may just kind of slowly but eventually over time they get back to doing some of the same things and, and kind of existing like they did before. There are others that and oftentimes what does happen when you have a national crisis like this is that there'll be, when they say we can come back, there'll be a big spurt. There'll be, you know, everybody will be ready to go back and then a week, two weeks, maybe a month later, then everybody goes back to living their lives the way they want to live. My prayer is, is that none of those three will happen for our church, but that when we come back together again, we will have a renewed vision will have a greater power and strength and dependence upon the Lord and that when we come back, it'll be the return of a mighty church in the hands of a mighty God. Let's do not forget who we are. Notice what this scripture says. This is, this is what the church is. First of all, the church is the called out ones. We are the called out ones. He mentions in verse 18, he has the word that is used here. He says, I say to you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church. Like I said earlier, this is the first time this word is used. Now it's going to be used in the New Testament over a hundred times because Jesus died for the church. He, he gave his life for the church. He, he loved the church and he established the church. And so here it is, he's talking about the church. That word church, it means to be 
called out. It's two words together, the word out, ek, and the klesia is the called out one. So it's the ones that are called out. In the, in the Greek culture that day, it was, it was an assembly that was called out of the greater city, of the greater village that was there. They would call out, they may call out the leaders, they may call out the elders, they may call out the men, they may call out, but it's a group that is called out among them. And we are the called out ones. We are called out from this world by Jesus Christ to become a part of his family, to be a tool in his hands. We are the called out ones. We are called out. It gives the idea of of separation, that we're to be different from this world. As the world responds in fear and and terror, we ought to respond with peace and with hope, and we ought to be living differently than the the world out there. Now, I'm not talking about violating any of the guidelines that we've been given. We need to wash our hands. We need to keep our distance. We need to not do anything that's not essential for us to to, to do in that, but but we can handle it with joy because we know the Lord. We have his presence in our lives. We have been called out to be be different from this world. We've been separated out of sin and out of bondage and, and out of this world. And so Jesus has done that for us. And so he's called us out together as a body of Christ. We're not meeting together, but we still ought to be working and praying and serving and worshiping together. We're the called out ones. It also reminds us of that calling that he's put upon our lives. That Jesus called you and Jesus called me. He called us. He, Jesus, the Son of God, has called us out. And by the way, I I know we've got a lot of church members that are listening here. And you may not be a church member, but I want you to hear the call of Jesus upon your life. You may not even know Christ, but just the fact that you've tuned in here. Maybe somebody invited you. Maybe you saw it on one of your friends' uh, posts and you decided to tune in and to hear what God... I want you to know God loves you. God loves you so much that he gave his only begotten son for you to die on the cross for your sins, for your rebellion. And he is calling to you right now through this live stream. He is calling out to you saying, I want to save you. I want to redeem you. I want to change you. I want to deliver you. Your life is broken, but I want to heal it. And Jesus can do that. And those of us that have experienced that, God has called us out to live for him, to honor him. It's, it's, it's my prayer that, that even though we're apart, that God would bring us together. And whenever that day comes that we can worship here in this sanctuary once again, that because of what God has done in our lives, because we have allowed God to use this time to draw us closer, because we have gone into the word of God and we have met with God in prayer and our hearts have been changed by the power of God in our lives, that because we've all been drawn toward God, that when we come together, we'll be closer together and more united and more focused than we've ever been before, that there'll be a return of a mighty church. We're the called out ones. Not only are we the called out ones, but we're also the established ones. What does he say there in verse 18? He says, on this rock, I will build my church. The rock. That word rock is the word Petra. It's a a large, immovable boulder. And that rock is Jesus. 
You know, there are other rocks that we can count on, but all of those rocks come from the rock, which is Jesus, the rock of, of faith, the rock of, of joy, the rock of peace, the rock of, of, of hope, the rock of comfort. All those are rocks that we can count on, but those rocks come from the main rock. They are parts of who Jesus is. He is the rock. That's why his church, that's why we're the established ones because we're built upon the rock. That's why the church can be so resilient in times like this. How we can still worship God, how we can still pray, how we can still serve, how we can still have joy, how we can still have peace. <coughs> I think of uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and, and when they were there, and how they, they had that, that, the rock was built upon their faith in God, and when, uh, uh, when the king said, I'm going to throw you into the fiery furnace, they said, we want you to know, king, our God is able to deliver us, but even if he does not, we will not bow. Where did that come from? That didn't come from their integrity or from their personality. That came from their faith in God, the rock. We read in, in Matthew chapter 7 about the storms that come and the house that stands through the storms. What is the difference? The difference is the foundation. In Matthew chapter 7 and verse 24 it says, Therefore whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall. Why? For it was founded on the rock. The rock is Jesus. And we have been established. It's not because of our great faith or our great ability to live a holy life. We are built upon the rock of Jesus. He is our holiness. He is our comfort. He is our joy. And I tell you what, that's why the church can stand even through the storms. It's because we're the established ones. We're the called out ones. We're also the growing ones. He doesn't just say that my, my house or my church is on the rock. He, notice what he says here. He says, on this rock, I will build my church. And he's still building it today. There's that idea of, of, of growing. And the idea, I, I love this, the way it's, it's worded here. The word uh, for, for building is the idea of the oikos, the house, and domeo, which is the build. He's building a home. He's saying that that's what the church is. The church is my home. The church is my temple, the body of Christ. That's where God wants to work through the church. He wants to inhabit the church. He wants to fill the church. He wants to empower the church. We are his home. We're the bride. We're the body. We are his temple as well. We are the house of God. Not the place, not the building, the people. And so he's doing a work in our lives where he is the one that is coming forth. He's the one that is taking over. He's the one that is shining through us. That's why we take up our cross and we follow him. That's why we deny ourselves. That's why we die to ourselves is that he might come through us, that he might live through us. That's what we are. We're growing in our dependence and in our, our dying that he might come through us. He grows us. That's why it is so, so important in this time that we take the time to meet with him in prayer and in the study of God's word, that we confess our sins before him, that we get our hearts right for him, that we intercede for our country, that we repent and turn away from our sins, that we learn how to trust him, how to lean upon him, how to walk with him through these times. He grows us. And not only that, but he also grows his church. 
excuse me. He's growing his church. He is expanding his church. And that's so important in days like this. Days like we're living in. You know, we talk about and people wanting to compare how many are dying from this to how many that die from the flu and stuff. We're losing sight of something. And that is thousands have and thousands more will die. And many of them are dying without Christ. Without Christ. The World Health Organization as of this morning said that there have been 26,491 deaths across this world from this virus. Our own CDC says that in the United States, there's been 2,191. Just yesterday, the World Health Organization reported 3,159 deaths in one day across this world. How many of them don't know Christ? Jesus is saying, I'm building my church. God wants to use us. And that's why when the time comes that we're able to get out, we can't stay at home. We can't get used to this. And that's why even now we need to be praying. We need to be praying for our one and our two and our three and our four and our five and our 10 and our 20. We need to be interceding for them. We need to be reaching out to them. We need to be inviting them to join us on our, in our worship services. We need to be uh, praying and, 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 and praying that God would do a work in their lives. And when we come back, there needs to be return of a mighty church that is empowered and equipped and motivated and propelled to reach this community and reach this world for Jesus Christ. We are to be the growing ones even in the storm. We're also the belonging ones. He says, on this rock I will build what? My church. Jesus says we are his church. We belong to him. He is our savior. He is our master. He is the CEO. He is the head. He's the owner. He is the Lord of his church. And he is the one that paid the price for us. Because we belong to him, remember what he said in Romans chapter eight, that nothing, nothing, nothing can separate us from his love. Because we belong to him. Matter of fact, in Ephesians chapter five, that's where uh, Paul says that, talks about husbands loving their wives. And husbands, by the way, you need to do that. <laughs> you need to be loving your wives. But he says, love your wives, how? As Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. He says, you are my church. You know, in this time, there, 
you know, looking at the reports and looking at the news. And sometimes we just need to back away uh, from that. But sometimes we need to, to hear what's going on. But there's been two problems that have really been magnified in our, in our country and really in the world in the midst of this. One is the fear and the, the fear of what might happen. We need to remember we belong to him. He is the one that's in control. And so that helps us to overcome that fear. But not only is there the, the problem of fear, but the, there's the problem of rebellion. Those who just refuse to, to do what has been suggested or to do what, in some cases, what's even been ordered, these corona parties that are going on where people are violating uh, the, the rules and, and, and things are happening. And, and we've heard about how the virus has been spread through some things like that. And so that, that's, that's not good. But that's at our heart, it's the heart of rebellion. And by the way, whether you're, you're being overcome by fear or whether that rebellious heart is, is wanting to come out, Jesus is the answer for both of those. And he is the one that redeems us. He is the one that paid the price for us. His blood is the one that can cleanse us and, and can bring us comfort and can, can free us from that rebellious heart, can conquer that rebellion within us if we belong to him. And church, we do. We belong to him. And no storm can separate us from him. And when we come back, we ought to be deeper in that relationship with him. We're the belonging ones. And then finally, we're the prevailing ones. What does he say? He says, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now he's saying the gates of hell will not prevail. Why? Because we will prevail as the church of God, as his church. That word prevail means to overpower. It means to have more strength to overcome. And that strength is not within us. That strength is from him. It is from our Lord. It, it is what he gives to us. But here he talks about prevailing against the gates of hell. That is the picture of the church. Not on the defensive, not shrinking back in fear, but on the offensive, moving forward in prayer and in intercession and praying that God would impact our nation, that God would impact our neighbors, that God would get a hold of, of those who don't know him and touch their hearts. Now is the time for an assault upon the gates of hell by the church. We are the prevailing ones. Pray. Do not diminish. Matter of fact, now is a time for us to be awakened to the gift and the power and the impact of prayer to the Lord God Almighty. Intercede like you have never interceded before. I encourage you to do that. I implore you to do that. You know, I mentioned last week and and I don't know how many of you have done this, but I want to really hit it hard this week. I want to encourage us as a church to set aside the 12 o'clock hour. If you can, at 12 noon, every day, bow your head, get on your knees, maybe even fast during that lunch hour, and go before the Lord in prayer and intercession for our community, for those that are serving on the front lines, for those that are sick. Let's pray uh, against this, that God God would do a mighty work. That may be what God's going to do, that God's going to do a miracle. The Red Sea is going to be, be part of the, the walls of Jericho are going to fall. That healing will come, and it'll come through the prayers of God's people. We, uh, 
uh, I was messaging with Brother Donnie yesterday, and that's one of the things that he and I were talking about and, you know, that he reminded me of is that we, uh, you know, with Sodom and Gomorrah, that God said if there were 10, I won't destroy the city. And there are several online. I'm not sure how many we got now, but with, with YouTube and, and with Facebook Live at one point, we were over 200, maybe uh, way over that now, maybe have shrunk off some from that. That's, that's devices that are plugged in. I don't know how many are watching this, but we got a lot more than 10. Let me just say that. And two or three can make an impact. One can make an impact. But how much more when the church comes together, even though we're separated, we come together and get at the feet of Jesus and pray. Pray that God would stop this virus. Pray that lost souls would be awakened to the reality of God and his great love for them. Pray that the church would be revived. And then there can be the return of a mighty church. And it won't be a fable. It won't be a fictional account. It'll be on display for all the world to see. You know, I'm reminded of the quote concerning World War II. You know, back in a, when Pearl Harbor was bombed, our president, President Roosevelt, came on and made that famous yet brief speech where he talked about December the 7th, 1941 as a date that shall live in infamy. And one of the things he said at the end of that speech is that the United States, that we will gain the inevitable triumph. He could have said we will prevail. We will gain the inevitable triumph, so help us God. Now, what was written down in the journal of the Japanese Imperial Admiral Isoroku Yamamoto, he wrote down after that speech, he said, I fear that all we have done is awaken a sleeping giant and fill him with terrible resolve. May the sleeping giant of the church awake today to pray, to intercede, and to be what God has equipped us for. God knew this day was coming and he has provided everything we need, not just to survive, but to grow and to become a mighty, mighty church. Upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Be the church. This is Doug Ferris, and I'm blessed to be the pastor at Underwood Baptist Church. Thank you for listening to our podcast, and it's our prayer that you'll do more than listen to a sermon or gather religious information. We want you to encounter God, and we pray that he will impact your life. If you'd like to contact us, go to our website at underwoodbaptist.org, and all our contact information is there. We hope you're blessed through today's message.